Hey everybody, it's Eugene and welcome to Forensics Talks. This is episode 94 and my guest today is Matthias Schmidt. We're going to be talking about collision investigations with Analyzer Pro. Now, as always, uh, let us know where you are from in the comments section. So go ahead, just type in there if you have any questions or anything like that. Uh, today is, in fact, pre-recorded. However, uh, we will get back to you on the comments if there's any questions or anything like that. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to see more Forensics Talks and get notified whenever we uh, put a new episode on. Uh, we usually try to put it on about a week before, and this way it gives people enough time to plan. Don't forget also that we have the Forensic Photography Symposium coming up. That's January 22nd to 25th, 2024. And basically that is where we bring together a whole number of forensic photographers and just talking about a whole bunch of different things in different disciplines. So it could be collision investigation. It could be crime scene investigation. It could be for postmortem photography or whatever. And if you're interested in attending, it's the FPS. Let me just bring that up here. You can register right here. Okay. So it's just, if you go to the website, ai2-3d.com, you'll see it there on the main screen. You can just jump in anytime. No problem. So uh, we're going to get going here right away, not wasting any time. And I want to introduce the speaker. So let me bring up my notes here because I'm missing something and I need to get my notes up here. Sorry about that. It'll be just a second. So Matthias Schmidt is someone who is from the Technical University of Vienna. At least he graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Technical Physics back in 2015. He also went on to get his uh, Master of Science in 2020, uh, looking at physical energy technology and metrology. Um, he's worked in the area of collision investigation and accident reconstruction and analysis for about 20 years, but he's currently the CEO of Analyzer Pro. And this is a software uh, package for uh, analyzing traffic accidents, and it has a number of interesting features. Now, Collision investigation and accident reconstruction is super important. Uh, you know, it's something that unfortunately happens all too regularly, but we often have to determine, you know, who was at fault or what was the cause. And sometimes this also translates over to the criminal side because there can be criminal activity using vehicles. And in fact, you know, you could use a vehicle as a weapon. And sometimes, you know, these are involved in homicide cases. So uh, being able to analyze the physics of what is happening is super important. And so we're going to bring Matthias in here right now. There he is. Hey, Matthias, how you doing? Hey, hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you so much. Now we met, uh, I'm not even sure. How did we meet? We met online or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. We met, we met online. We have been physically at the same place, I think at Rex, but we didn't speak there or had no chance, but um, I just like saw the stuff you're putting up in the industry, which is kind of unique, I would say. And uh, then I thought, okay, I, I have to reach out to that guy. He does cool <laughs> stuff. And also from a technical perspective, um, it was quite interesting for me because I would say maybe five years back or so, um, 3D photogrammetry uh, became quite popular uh, in Europe and people loved it for doing uh, like larger crash scenes. And then they always tried to do uh, car scans and they failed miserably. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, they started with like huge effort things trying to record them it never worked out well and then when i saw what you could do with uh, recon 3d for the cars i was like oh geez that's that's the missing link <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, for sure. yeah well the uh was the, was the 
was the Rex conference your first conference, like big conference at Rex? Uh, it was my first, uh, like my first conference in the US. Um, it was the biggest, I, I believe. There is probably no bigger one than that one. Um, of course, I've been at uh, numerous EBU conferences, but they are, I'd say, a fraction of the size. Yeah, so that yeah. that that was an experience. Yeah, because I think they ran it again in like 2017 or something like that. But that was my first one too, and it was uh, well, like you said, it was so big that there were people there that I knew were there that I was trying to meet up with that week. I had no chance. It yeah. just it was impossible. It was way too much going on. So yeah, but a cool uh, but- event. It was a very great, yeah, lots of crash testing. Yeah, they did a really, really great job. Definitely, if anyone is in this area watching and you haven't been to Rex, uh, the next one, I'm not sure when it's going to be, but you definitely got to definitely got to get there. Um, Matthias, so I want to talk to you about your background a little bit and kind of how you, you started your journey into the, uh, you know, heading up the Analyzer Pro, you know, development and everything else. Your background is in, you did a Bachelor of Science. And so were you always sort of interested in, did you know you were going to be going into, you know, accident reconstruction or was, were you looking at something else before you got into school? Um, well, essentially, I had no idea that this field even exists. But of course, if you think about it, it must exist somehow. But um, my, my first touch point was uh, when I finished high school and um, I wanted to study physics and I, I come from a relatively small town called Salzburg. Um, people might know, know it because of Mozart. Um, and I knew one guy who had studied physics there. And we had a common friend. They put us in touch. And that was a 60-plus-year-old uh, guy. And uh, we met. I asked him, hey, how is, is it to study physics? What are your career chances? He talked five minutes about studying physics and then about one hour about his super boring software for traffic accident analysis. <laughs> and um, which was Analyzer Pro back in the day. So Analyzer exists, uh, is probably, yeah, almost the same age as I am. Um, it, it started many years back as a, as a DOS program. The guy developed it for himself because he was working at court in, in Austria. And if someone wanted to buy it, he could if not it was also fine it was not his like it was not a commercial product in that sense well um anyways this guy and i we have a common friend and that common friend kind of pushed me and saying hey um yeah this guy wants to retire uh why not why not uh, taking over his company and at some point i i wrote him an email and said hey would you be interested and he said okay sure let's let's do this and I got my best friend on board and <laughs> back then we were 23. We had no idea how to run a business, no idea about traffic accident analysis and <laughs> no idea how to code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we thought, how how hard could it be? Um, yeah. And uh, what I think what thrilled me in the, in the, in the beginning was actually this aspect of, of building something. And of course, it's much easier if you don't have to build it from scratch. And I knew there was a, there were already customers. Um, I knew the idea and the concept was good. I knew that people were afraid that this guy will retire and, um, yeah, didn't didn't know uh, what to do. And uh, yeah, that, so that was that was the start. <laughs> right. So you were already so kind of like when you were finishing off school, you kind of had an idea that you were going to be 
getting in at some point, right? So yeah. you're, you're kind of like planting the seeds and preparing everything for that. Yeah. Okay. So I got started when when I was still in my bachelor's um, and that dragged out my master studies by quite a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that was clear pretty early on. Okay. And and so because of what you're doing, I mean, a lot of it is physics based, but then there's also the, the programming side, the development side. Yeah. So in school, were you, were you working on both at the same time? Hardly. Um, we had a few coding classes, like when you study physics, uh, you, you have that. Um, but um, I wouldn't say I was, I was a particularly talented programmer. Um, I wouldn't say I'm I'm a, I'm one today, but the good thing is um, my co-founder and uh, and I we're still we're still working together, and we have kind of established um, this dual leadership where he does the the difficult coding part and I do everything around that. Uh, we have both studied physics, so we both have the background, which is super important. I feel in that field, um, and. Yeah, so that's our nice split of work, and um, yeah. okay, that worked out well. Yeah, so when you so when you took over the software back then, in what state was it in when you first picked it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, <laughs> well, um, so as I said, the guy who did it initially um, did it as his own project, um, meaning. It worked in a way, if you did exactly what he thought you were supposed to click and do, then it went smoothly. But as soon as you try to do something out, outside the, the, the beaten path, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it, okay. Uh, it, 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 like it crashed and so on. So we actually spent a lot of time in the first few years to just take old parts, rebuild them from scratch. Because what I have to say, the concepts... Um, that were behind that were super good and well thought and um yeah just the the coding part wasn't always so smooth but now i can say we we have cleaned most most of the parts of okay okay and i mean a lot of the i mean i don't know how i imagine over the years some of the algorithms i mean the basic physics don't change but maybe the way yeah. that we approach them with the algorithm stuff there may be little tweaks or little changes that maybe make them more accurate and that sort of thing is that something that is, is it was that a, a true statement do you think yes um so what we're doing is um we are releasing every year an update of of our software so right now we, we just recently released version 24 and um in this update, there is usually a mix between new stuff that we just think is cool and uh, old stuff that we think needs improvement. Um, because, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say that we have a quite uh, active community uh, of users. And uh, once I tell them a few times that they should bring in their ideas, they're actually doing that. And there are a lot of good ideas out there. Uh, my my backlog of ideas is is pages long, um, and of course, people often say, "Hey, I like this or that module of of the program, but wouldn't it be helpful if X Y Z?" And then we're doing that, or we're trying to at least. Um, so yeah. 
okay. constant uh, reworking. You mentioned that uh, initially, you know, if somebody wanted to buy the program, they could. It wasn't really like a commercial product. So when you took it over, was there a small customer base already? Luckily, yes. That made our life much easier. Um, so I would say it started becoming a commercial product a few years before I started. Um, so maybe two two, three years before that. So there was a stable customer base, which since then grew by a lot. But um, yeah, it was it was good enough to at least have a small, a small salary, essentially for us, because we had to live from something. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's such a difference if you launch a product from scratch or if you already have people in it. Creates so much more credibility. It um, it gets, gives you so much more feedback um, because yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help if you sit in your very theoretical oh I'm I'm a physicist tower and and I develop what is smart. No, people need to tell you what they want and what they need. Yeah, and I imagine to do, do you get good feedback from your customer base? You have like good people oh, yeah. that are helping out with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on all levels, like. Uh, and and I think every feedback is quite valuable. Even if people write me, hey, I'm sorry, I don't find where, where is this and that. That is a clear sign. Okay, we haven't been clear enough. Um, it's, yeah, to, to the point where people just say, hey, I have privately developed this calculation tool. Uh, wouldn't you want to, buy, to, to build it in? And of course, that's, that's also great. Um, yeah. Okay. So how, how, how do you go about validating like some of the... Um, you know, the algorithms and different things. I mean, you write something, you know, maybe it's generally accepted that this is a, this is the, the formula that you use for this or something like that. But um, is, I mean, is, is validation a part of your process? It has to be obviously. Um, so I remember, um, or, or sometimes I get this question, like, is this ISO certified? And I have to say, no, it's not because there is no ISO certification for traffic accident analysis software against what would it be certified. So unfortunately, such a thing doesn't exist. So you have to really go into the paper direction um, on one hand. And uh, so trying to get uh, papers out there, we have, since we're talking about RECs, there is one uh, currently under review about uh, about uh, one of the crash tests of the RECs. Um, so that's one big thing, uh, doing papers. Um, another thing is uh, people are doing, like we are used by some universities and we have like master students. Um, so that's another thing. And what we have done both internally as well as in larger groups is doing our own crash tests. So um, there was a group that like met many years back uh, in in Europe that uh, did a lot of crash crash tests for program verification, double checking results, and um, yeah, that's that's also that's also a thing. And last but not least, we are trying to be very transparent um, with what we do. So, analyzer is by no means a, a magical black box that will uh, just uh, yeah put out some result and say this is this is the solution good luck have fun um we have uh, like an inbuilt report tool that gives you that gives you a list of so these are the numbers these are the formulas how you get from a to b um and uh, these are the results so essentially everybody who is capable of, of holding a calculator can double check 
Yeah. And the combination of these these things, I would say, does the trick so far. Yeah, that's an important point, especially if it's going to be used for any kind of trial or forensic investigation or whatever it might be. Then, yeah, the, the, the fact that you can drive these things or you can explain them, you know, fundamentally is super important as opposed to a black box. You know, it, it just does it. It just happens. If you can't explain it, then I think that that's going to cause some difficulty at, at trial. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you about the I mean, you've been in this for about 10 years now, so. The the technology in the vehicles has been changing over the past 10 years. And so there's a lot more information with respect to the, the EDR or the crash data recorders and things like that. So have you had to, what have you had to adapt or what kind of changes have you seen that are have been important to maybe not just your software, but anybody else's software too? Yeah, um, super big topic, obviously. Um, I believe that the job of the forensic engineer will change in the next couple of years more and more away from this classical mechanics towards data uh, analytics. Um, and what we have done, um, and what helps us a little bit is the structure of how Analyzer is built up. So everything is structured in modules in Analyzer and we can super easily just add another one. And um, I think it started back then when people just wanted to do their driving tests with simple tools like even like phones and accelerometers. Um, and we just wrote the parser where you could read it in and then transfer it directly to a digital twin, if, if you will. Um, and then in the last couple of years, in Europe, the digital tachographs became mandatory. Um, which are standardized with a standardized format, which is always a dream for the for the programmer, because nothing nothing worse than non-standardized stuff. Um, and I would say nowadays it's no secret that the the big topic is is CDR. Um, yeah, that's that's something we have been working on quite a bit recently. Just uh, like the latest updates saw a lot of things. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we have other sources like uh, video material. Um, what I find important to say about all these data sources, um, they are important. They are a great source of evidence, but they have to be handled with a lot of care. Um, I've seen, when was that? Yeah, at the last EVU conference, there was a great presentation about uh, a highway accident um, and if you just had taken out, uh, taken the CDR file and would have put it in and said, that's, that's the real deal, that it would have been just completely wrong because there was an offset of the steering wheel and the guy would have gone in circles. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so it was just completely, completely wrong. In that case, it was rather obvious. But um, I'm always trying to warn people, like when we host seminars and so on, to say, yep, use data, but think twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not the it's not the fast track, and honestly, it's even good for our industry that it's not the fast track because then otherwise anyone could do it. Um, and yeah, As, are there very well established standards now, or are you finding there is there a difference between you know uh, European cars versus cars that are in North America or whatever? Like, is all the data like just all different from everybody, and you have to accommodate mm. for that? So. Yes and no. I'm super happy that we got in Europe this um, this digital tachograph files because they are like not the not only in the EU. It's like whole of uh, continental Europe, in, including 
including can you, the UK. Can you explain that? What what is the the, the digital? Um, so it's essentially it's essentially three types of it's a device built into a, any vehicle that is heavier than three point point five tons, with a few exceptions, and it they're basically three types of data recorded. One is social data that just have like has to do for like workers' rights and so that doesn't really interest us. And then the most common type just records um, speed the data in uh, one hertz. And then there is a bit of a rarer type that uh, records speed data in even four hertz. Mm -hmm. So great to get uh, speed levels, rough speed levels uh, and and to, to have an idea where to start searching. Um, these are standardized, which I love. <laughs> um, CDR is a bit more difficult um, because we can, of course, we can't read in the direct CDR files since this is a proprietary uh, format. Um, but uh, what we can do is we can read in the CSV files that uh, you can export. And uh, these are, um, uh, I, I wish they were a bit more standardized. <laughs> okay. Um, with regards to countries, um, I know that in the EU it's mandatory to uh, have it uh, have CDR in the newer cars. I think from June 2024. Um, but some manufacturers are doing it much longer. I, I, I just know Toyota is a very positive example of uh, having tons of data readable for a long, 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 long time. And um, yeah, so there are there are differences. Um, but the uh, the tendency is quite clear. It's it's going to be more and more, and um, yeah. Yeah, I thought you made, you raised an interesting point that you know the the future of people that are doing all this you know reconstruction and collision investigation, it's going to be more about analyzing the data as opposed to yeah. That's a very a very interesting point. I mean, are you seeing that trend already? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. There is, I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't say there are no cases without data. Of course, if you get older cars, uh, you often don't have that. But I would say, like, just a rough, like, feeling. It's almost fifty percent of the cases now, and we at least have something. It's not that that the whole case is just a pure data analysis case, but some piece of evidence is there usually. One one car of the two, or some some CCTV, or or something like that. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's a great opportunity. Also, also for the engineers out there um, to to specialize on certain fields. I also believe it's going to maybe even pivot in a direction where you would have probably less the one size fits all expert, but then you might have one that is focusing on CDR and the next one focusing on video analysis, which is a trend we are actually starting to see, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Video Exciting for sure. Times. Yeah. I want to ask you about video for sure, because uh, I was on the webinar that you did a uh, month or so ago and uh, you know, you you were showing some of the video work that you guys were doing in the Analyzer Pro software. And yeah. I want you to talk about that a bit because I know video for me and for other people too, it, it's obvious. It just in-car cameras and there's just cameras everywhere. So um, there, I can't see how there's going to be less of video. There's just going to be more and more video coming through. So talk to me about what you guys have done in the, and for the people that don't know, what you've done in your software with the video. Yeah, analysis. yeah. So... First, I have to say this is a, a 
topic I really enjoy working on because that's a topic where we can play around with AI a little bit. I know like the big buzzword, but it's 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 interesting from a for us from a from a also from a research point of view and from a oh what's technically possible point of view. Um, it's just super super exciting stuff and it gets better by the minute. And um, yeah, so what have we done? Uh, the first thing that we have done in that direction, which is, I feel quite quite popular, is uh, we have done a tool for static uh, to for getting speeds out of static cameras. So this typical CCTV scenario where you have a mounted camera somewhere and uh, and then you can you, you want to find out how fast the vehicles are, and what people used to do or, or still are doing is they just count frames and then they look, oh, this car has moved a pixel left or right, uh, which works more or less, I guess, but it's it's a huge effort. And um, what we have done is we have trained a machine learning algorithm to um, detect not only vehicles, but also pedestrians and, and trucks and yeah, whatever. And um, it's essentially a two-step process. So in the first step, you got to rectify your video. So you need a reference measurement uh, or, or actually a, um, several measurements. And with that, we're creating um, an autographic uh, version of the video. So where we see it top down. Um, we have also built in a tool that um, allows to remove uh, barrel and cushion distortion. Um, because usually, let's say you have this typical camera that is mounted on a gas station, um, you will not have the data about if this is a wide, like which which angle the camera is. It's just trying to to capture as much as anyhow possible. Yeah, we can see it. We can see it here on the on the right. Um, and we came up with a solution where we say, okay. Um, if you if you are talking or if you have a video about um, your human-made environment, aka a street, usually lines are parallel there or in like in a rectangular shape. And um, this algorithm tries to play around till the lines are more and more parallel. So this is what you see here uh, on the screenshot. This is pre uh, pre-removal of the of the distortion of the of the barrel distortion and uh, yeah and then you can just click a, a little button and it will it will stretch the image in a way that uh, all these lines get parallel and with that we get quite neat autographic videos even without having any information about the camera and um, yeah that's that's quite helpful I feel yeah so um once you have that, so once you have your autographic uh, video, you can just click play. And what it will do is it will, uh, it will find all these uh, vehicles. Um, and then it just sees how far does the vehicle go with each uh, timestamp. And from the rectification, we have the, uh, the translation pixel to distance. And then we read frame by frame just the frame length, and then we have time and distance, and that equals to speed. So um, you can see on the like in this little graph with the red line that it's a little bit zigzaggy, so it's not it's not perfectly smooth. Um, 
but uh, then we usually put in a, a fit curve, which is which is the blue one you can see here, and that gives us yeah pretty accurate pretty accurate uh, yeah results. So of course people ask then what is like how accurate, and I'd say it's an error of I would say plus minus five in bad cases ten percent. Um, which is certainly not good enough to say, hey, this is a car that's going with 60 or 61 kilometers per hour, but it's definitely good enough to say if it's, 60, it's going with 60 or 70. Yeah, and sure. That's, that's our goal with that. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. Um, are you planning to do any more validation testing on that? That sounds really interesting. Yes. Um, so I previously mentioned the, the uh, Rex paper, and that's a part of it. Um, and... Uh, I, oh, we are in discussions with someone who wants to work even more on that, actually with two people. Uh, um, and so, yeah, we have done our own tests and also presented them uh, at a conference, but it's always good if more people do that. Um, but for that one, I'm pretty confident uh, that it, it holds what it promises. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I think the just the automation is going to, like for anyone who's out there who's, counted frames in video it's not a fun task like you're sitting there no. you're counting you're following people or following vehicles so this level of automation is amazing like that's really going to make it you know just so much easier for people so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see the papers coming through and looking yeah. at the uncertainty and errors and i imagine it will yeah. change um now there's something that i just uh i recall from the webinar you talked about uh, a certain um, frame rate or something with respect to the video, something about 10 hertz or 10 frames per second. Oh, yeah, that's that's something different. So um, I was about to say, uh, we we have a second tool uh, being almost ready. Um, so that's about dash cam analysis. Um, in dash cams, uh, you, well, in some models of dash cams, you have... Um, you have the speed uh, like recorded and written down, then, then it's easy. We also have a tool for reading out that, but that's not so fancy. Um, but what do you do if you have just an optical flow, so a video of a car driving, and you want to find out how fast is that car? And um, that's uh, where we thought, okay, we could, we could try something there. And what we did is we um, created tons of, of test drives and where we recorded uh, driving behavior um, connected to certain speeds. So we know, okay, if, uh, if the, the optical flow uh, looks like this, so points in the, in the image coming closer to you, that is connected to this or that speed. And we have yeah, collected hours and hours and hours of material and trained a machine learning algorithm with that. And... The goal is, and I mean, it's the proof of concept is there right now. The training is still running. This always takes forever. But um, the goal is that you can just put in any video and it will give you out of the optical flow the speed. So coming back to your questions with the 10 hertz, this can only work if the video you're putting in has the same general specifications like the material we trained it with and um, since we can't assume all types of cameras and can't train a model for each and every type of camera that's out there um, we have to standardize uh, something and what we did is 
uh, when a user puts his video in, it will just be converted to 10 hertz, which is, I would say, still a good enough frequency. Again, we're talking about we want to find out levels of speed, not plus minus one kilometer per hour. Right, right. Um, yeah, and that's the story. I got you. About that. Um, yeah, this is super new. So it is it is part of version 24, um, but um, it uh, it's like not fully available yet because if we if we put that out we want to be really sure that it's that the results are good and yeah and problem with with if you do machine learning you 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 start the process then it calculates for two weeks or so and then it says oh i found an error and then you start again okay yeah yeah so it takes a lot of time um, I want to ask you about uh, some of the other things that you have. Like, I, I know you have some basic drawing tools that if somebody wants to create a sketch or something like that, they can put that in. You also have the ability to import, which I'm very familiar with, uh, 3D, you know, uh, point cloud data, and that gets uh, meshed and converted. It could be a roadway, it could be whatever. So it could yeah. be drone data. So you ingest different types of um, 3D data, which is really awesome. Um, so that's that's a wonderful feature. The um, do you find that there are a lot of people using uh, things like drone data now and scan data? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 has become a standard, I would say. Um, at least, like, I I come from Austria, so I am most familiar, of course, with the German-speaking world: uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and there it's super common to really, yeah, yeah. People use more 3D photogrammetry um, than laser scanners, mainly because um, it's much cheaper and at court you don't really get paid if you extra if you buy a laser scanner. So you have to, the choice, do I pick up a laser scanner for $50,000 or do I buy this 3D photogrammetry software for $150? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the results are, are good, uh, like, are, are pretty good, I would even say. Um, there are some products out there i'm personally familiar with argisoft but i i know that there are other tools that do essentially the same and that's how we got started with that whole uh yeah 3d point cloud um uh, stuff so the good thing about that is once you have set up your workflow and it's not very difficult to set up a workflow in that direction um you can do you're super quick. You're much quicker than going there and like measuring every single trace manually. That's, that's, yeah. Uh, it's like, I know a guy who does, who does a 3D photogrammetry for every single case, not because he wants to go so much the extra mile, but because it's actually uh, a benefit for him. He does one reference measurement. He flies with his, dro- with his drone up and down the, the scene and is done. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, and that's also why I love uh, Recon 3D, <laughs> to, to be honest, and I, I'm not paid to say that. Um, <laughs> no, but just just yesterday, I worked uh, with a guy uh, from the US uh, on a case um, who, who scanned, uh, n- not a full scene, but a, like at least a part of a scene with, with Recon 3D. And, um, and that, that just works super smoothly. You know exactly, okay, these are the marks on the ground. I have this there. I can compare that to my images. I can rectify the images. Then I know where the final position of my car was when, when it was there at that spe- specific point. Um, yeah, it, it, it just increases the quality of work 
by ideally even decreasing the time you need. Yeah, um, I think so that's the key point there. It's yeah, exactly. It's it's reducing the amount of effort that you have to put in, um, you know, trying to get that. Well, there's no other instrument. I mean, between photogrammetry and even the laser scanners, there's just no other instrument that can give you that much detail in just such little time. Right. And yeah. especially the drone. I mean, a drone is uh, roadways are very well suited for photogrammetry. They have enough texture. They have all, you know, everything that's required. So, you know, less than. 10 minutes flight time, you've got your roadway, you've got, you know, 300 meters or 400 meters of roadway, you have all the details and everything else. So it makes a ton of sense. So yeah, that's, that's great that you've got that integrated. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the, the features regarding the, the kinematics and the driving yeah. uh, dynamics and things like that in the software? So um, Analyzer was born as a kinematics tool in like in the very beginning, um, because if you break it down, what is really, really important as an accident? It's not important to to have a. I mean, of course, it's important, but it's only a part of the of the game to do a collision analysis. Um, what's really because we know that a crash happened. It's quite obvious, but um, but uh, what we really want to know is how it happened and uh, why it happened and how it could have been avoided and. Of course, you can do all of this in a dynamic simulation, but um, kinematics is just so much faster and more efficient. And probably that has a little bit to do with the history of analyzers. So in uh, at the court where it was originally developed for, um, we do uh, life negotiations. So you go there with the case, person A says, I was doing this and that, and then you have to calculate life and say, okay, this is possible, this is not possible. Um, and then person B does the same thing and so on. And for that, you just need to be, you just need to be super fast. And, um, and that is where Analyzer has its roots and where I think we are pretty much unbeaten um, on the market. And, um, but of course, then over the time, all these things like uh, uh, collision analysis, driving dynamics uh, came in. But I would say where analyzer really, really, really shines is is kinematics. Just okay. doing uh, like a quick analysis. Okay, we have this and that behavior, but how could he see that person when he was there, and how was the situation there? Okay, how could it have been avoided? That's that's things you do with a few clicks in analyzer, and um, yeah. That's but did I understand correctly then? Like, so for example, if somebody's at trial or whatever. Is it it's simple enough that you know somebody says, well, what what if this scenario? Well, the car wasn't traveling at that speed, starting speed. Maybe it started at, you know, whatever, uh, 20 kilometers yeah. more. Yeah. And they could just, just run the simulation. Yeah, you just, you just change that one number and you see the new, the new version of it. That's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's also, thanks. Uh, it's also, um, like you can set up in, in LS, you can set up in a file, I think up to 16 vehicles. And that's not because we're thinking that you have like multi crashes with 16 vehicles at once. But the idea is, to have different versions of an accident, um, like placed on the on the several vehicles. So I'm saying, okay, witness A says this and that. So we have this version in vehicle one and two, but then witness B says something that is this and that. So when you're at court, you can just switch on version A, and then someone says, but no, that's not my version. You switch on uh, vehicle three and four, and show no, that's the alternative version. And at the end of the day, our job is not to find out what's legally what's the legal right thing to do that's that's for the for the lawyers and the judges um 
but we just have to put out technical possibilities and saying, okay, this is possible, but you're saying, oh no, this is not possible. And yeah, you can just do that super fast in that uh, context and even live if, if necessary. Mm -hmm. You have some, uh, you got some case studies on the website that uh, I think are kind of interesting, but when you were talking about, you know, being at trial, have you ever been asked to help support people at trial or have you ever had to, have you ever had to go to trial because of the software or somebody asking questions? Um, so no, I personally never had to go to trial. Um, because, well, out of several reasons. First of all, if you want to testify in, in Austria at court, you need to be, um, you need to do a state exam um, that you are, yeah, that, that certifies you. And if not, I mean, theoretically it would work, but it's not a common, common thing to do. And we have, we have good experts. They, they, they can ask me for advice, but uh, they don't need me to show up there. Second thing is, um, at the end of the day, of course, the expert is responsible for the result he's delivering. I can only I can only deliver the tools for doing that, but in the end, uh, the uh, the person is is the expert is himself is is responsible. But uh, what I have done actually quite often and uh, yeah, um, is I'm helping experts on their cases. Like I think even this this week. Uh, I, I had two cases working. I've been working on two cases where people say, "Oh, I'm a bit stuck here and there. Uh, what would you think about it?" And then I, I usually like either solve the case for them or, or work it through together in an online meeting. Um, yeah, I, I would say I have, for a person who has never been life at court, I have a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's good. Interesting. Uh, I'm looking at the case studies here uh, just offline, but uh, yeah, there's some interesting stuff there looking at some different uh, applications. Um, hey, there's something else here. I, I didn't I didn't think about it, but you have something called Analyzer Smart. What's that about? Oh, yeah. Um, so that roots a little bit in that whole idea of we are at life at court and we have to do uh, like quick calculations. Um, so that's a a small smartphone app for Android and, and Apple um, where you have a few basic modules of analyzer. So for example, you have this, like you have a total distance and you know, okay, he crashed here with approximately this speed. And this was where he said he reacted. And now you want to know how fast was, uh, was he driving? Uh, how long was his braking distance? So, so like kind of simple, but yet somehow sophisticated uh, kinematic tools um, designed with the idea to, to do them live at court or um or what also what's also a thing that at least to my knowledge is only happening in austria is that you go to the location of the accident with the judge and the witnesses and then people testify and say oh this and that and you are supposed to calculate there um yeah so that's that it's it's a small it's a it's a small small neat tool for um yeah for exactly these purposes now, was that, but was that something that um, was prompted because people asked and, or something, or is that just an idea yeah. you had where, because I mean, are you finding that people are using their mobile devices more and more? Uh, no, that's actually, we did that many years ago. Um, that was actually um, started or the, the idea came from the EVU Austria. Uh, so EVU is the European uh, Association of uh, uh, traffic accident experts and they have a country group and if you austria um came to me and said uh, hey 
we would be interested. Could you could you do that? And I said, sure. And uh, because the formulas were there, the logic was there. Yeah, we just had to learn how to code on yep. phones. Okay, that's uh, interesting. The um, yeah, I mean, hey, I, I you know, with the Recon 3D app, and obviously people using their phones more and more for different as different tools. I'm just wondering if you know if there's plans to do other things with your app uh, uh, in the future or something like that, or if there's other things you that. could add to it. I don't know. I think I, I think for doing full scale traffic accident analysis on a phone, the screen is just too small. Um, at least I can't think of a way to do how you could do that conveniently um but uh well never say never yeah you never know well i'm just wondering like in field like somebody maybe for example police who actually go and they're at the scene Mm. or something if there if there are other things they could do with the phone i don't know i'm just throwing i was just thinking we were considering we were actually considering at one point doing some kind of sketching tool but um at the end of the day we thought like nah it's probably not worth the effort and there are other there are already other tools and there's no point in doing the same thing twice yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm just I'm curious about your the, the customer base because uh, obviously, like you said, you, you sort of had a, a heavy concentration in the uh, the German speaking countries, yeah. and um, but of course you're throughout Europe, and you know um, as you expand or whatever, I'm wondering if are you finding that there are different requirements or people asking or emphasizing different things in different regions? <laughs> Quite a bit, I would say. Um, so, short answer, yes. Um, I think there is there are very different levels of education in different countries uh, regarding that field. So you have everything between I'm an engineer, I'm specific, I've specifically studied that field of work, and I have taken a state exam, to I'm just someone who testifies at court, but I don't know much what's going on um and I, I i don't i don't say that to to blame someone it's it's the legal system that leads to a certain type of industry um and with that different demands come um so the the more the more you go in this oh we are engineers directions the more it's about numbers, formulas, graphs, uh, facts. And, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, other people probably prefer more um, like this very visual approach where you, where you say, okay, I want, to, I want to show maybe my idea about the accident or I want to show or visualize what, um, what, uh, what people told me how it looked like um given our background i can quite openly say that we come from the engineering direction and that's what we do you don't or we are not a jack of all trades and we don't want to become one um it's we are very clearly designed and made for the people's for the people who like um yeah a, a solid physics-based, mathematics-based uh, approach on accidents. Um, yeah. Okay. But they exist. They exist in. In so far, I've met them in every country. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, 
uh, you in terms of like training, uh, you know, obviously having a, a strong user base and a very knowledgeable user base is important. So um, do, do you offer like your own sort of training? Do you have people that do the training for you or are there? I know you have webinars. You've done some things like you do. And even on your website, I think you have something. That, yeah, it's, it says seminars. So you, you host like seminars. So how, how do you yeah. how do you teach people about Analyzer Pro? What are the different ways you can do that? Um, so, um, well, main source is of course the webinars, but also we're trying to put out a lot of video content because not everybody has the time to sit down several evenings a week or like two straight, two, three straight days. Um, so what we are doing is, um, we're putting out videos. Uh, we, we have like video tutorials. We, we have a series called Analyzer Shorts, um, and uh and uh yeah all of all of all of these things then we do our live seminars like real real life seminars which i personally like the most because then you are um and then you can uh, just like meet with people and talk with them in the, in the in the breaks and so on and but at least since covid the online the online seminars became more and more popular and i feel after covid even if people could travel there is there is a sentiment to to rather do something online than don't know journeying for several hundred kilometers to, mm-hmm. to just meet um so yeah so with that said um these are the different approaches i would say our main problem if if you will with with reaching new people and um is that uh, that people, of course, need to make an effort to learn the software? We are trying to make it as easy as possible, but it's still it's not Microsoft Word we are talking about. It's it's a software for engineers, and um, and we are trying to lower that barrier as as much as anyhow possible. But um, yeah, so for that the seminars are quite good, but also like usually when people say hey i want to try out your software and there is no upcoming seminar i just give them video recordings of previous ones because for me what it what counts is the people that use analyzer can actually profit from it and and uh, yeah and use it properly and that it actually helps them because otherwise my my work is pointless yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well you know different people learn differently and sometimes you know our online is great like for software like things that you don't have to sort of physically um, handle equipment or something like that. But at the same time, you know how easy it is to get distracted, right? If you're at work or something like that, you're trying to learn videos. So in those cases, the in-person, you know, being away from the office and being, you know, the phone's not going to ring, you know, while you're in the office or something like that can be really helpful for you to learn as well. So I think the in-person thing is really, really good too. Totally. Totally. I, I, I really like it most. Like, first of all, you get to visit a new place. That's awesome. Um, it's so much less exhausting. I don't know how you're doing, but I, I find two hours of online course more exhausting than one day of of <laughs> of, uh, of real life course. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know why, but yeah, you just you just get such so much better feeling of okay, where is that that other person right now? Have I completely lost that person, or is the am I too slow? Am I too fast? All all these things are so incredibly hard to to find out online. So. I really, I really like uh, real life, real life meetings, and uh, of course, like we have, 
um, there is one seminar in in Austria that's our like our traditional release seminar in November, and by now I believe fifty percent of the people are coming there because they know that we are going to uh, to a nice uh, like tavern in the evening and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and one guy's always bringing a guitar and uh, <laughs> so, so you can't do that online yeah 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 of course of course yeah those, those are those are important moments for sure uh help to build a community and and uh well just meeting different people you learn from different yeah. people right so different users yeah. and um yesterday i had a user tell me something about the recon 3d app that i didn't know so <laughs> you know i was like hey i learned to me something so often <laughs> yeah, yeah that's great um i want to ask you about the future of analyzer pro and just mm -hmm. sort of looking forward you mentioned ai um you mentioned you know some of the things that you're working on with video and things like that but what is what is sort of on the short-term horizon for you? Like, what do you see as the big opportunity? And what do you see as more of the long-term opportunity with Analyzer Pro? Yeah, um, good question. Um, so, as I said earlier, we have this, our number one key strength in kinematics. And we have our number two new key strength in data analysis. And since data analysis is becoming more and more important, we are going to heavily focus on that. Um, I would say this is this is an evergreen. This this will be around for the next ten years plus. Um, and by every year, there will be new sources of of data and new things to do. And at some point, the uh, autonomous cars are going to come and and blah. So um, so I would say this is. This is probably our main our main focus. From personal interest, I I love dealing with AI, um, even though I think I can still learn so much more about it. It's just a huge field. Um, yeah, I, I I'd say this is this is probably probably something we're going to do more about. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then uh, what we want to improve on is. Um, I would say our main and only bigger weak point is um, that we don't do a multi-body simulation. Um, so no, no uh, crazy flying people. Um, and even though it's sometimes more show than accurate physics, I still feel that this is necessary. Um, and this is... This is the only this is the only thing that I I feel we we really should like uh, improve our current existing product uh, if not talking about the future. Okay. Um, yeah. So pedestrian so, collisions and and that it seems like it's a complex uh, implementation. It is complex. It's, I'm not saying that we can't do pedestrian collisions. There are other there are other methods. Just today I've I've made a video about that. Um, there are other methods, but still I feel it's sometimes appreciated if you see that dummy like figure flying through the air um and uh yeah so that's 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 something uh, i want to i want to work on Excellent. very very complex stuff especially if you want to do it good um, um okay i i have a question oh, well just in terms of uh people if they're watching this video and they want to get a, a you know or they're listening to the audio podcast and they want to get a hold of you or something like that obviously there's the website and i've been popping that up i haven't put up the uh the uh, contact, let me just do that there. But if you go to, uh, it's just going to be analyzer.at 
And if you head over there, um, you can uh, uh, you just get the website. And there's obviously a, uh, on the contact form. Or let's see here. You got all the people here who are part of the team, and you got emails and phone numbers. Oh, you got a whole bunch of people here. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I didn't go here before, but I, I recognize a couple of names already. So that's interesting. Uh, great. And of course, you're um, you're on LinkedIn. You're on like social media as well. Um, I, I hope you don't mind. I'm just showing this is your public. Uh, Sure. Uh, LinkedIn thing. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, or if they have questions about Analyzer, they can also uh, find you on LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Um, reach out to me. I usually reply quite quickly on on all types of messages. So write me an email. Um, write me on LinkedIn. Uh, y- you will get through usually. Yeah, right on. Well, listen, Matthias, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, it's great. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been a great uh, just recently meeting you and a great working relationship. You've always been really helpful and everything. So I hope that continues. I hope we can uh, uh, do a bit more going forward. And I'll definitely be paying attention to the video stuff that you guys are working on. I think that's super important, super helpful, a great innovation. So uh, keep up the great work. Uh, likewise, uh, I can I, I can return the flowers. I, I also think you're doing a great job, and <laughs> and also I really like that someone is doing like a, a bit like a modern approach to that field of work with the podcasts and so and so on. That's that, yeah, that just has been missing. I feel and uh, so um, yeah. But uh, I think you're seeing you're seeing the success, and it's very well deserved. So well, uh, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And I enjoy doing it. I love meeting new people. And uh, I've been learning a ton just from, you know, speaking to people like you. So perfect. Thank you All so right, much. Thanks. All right, folks, that's it. That does it for this episode. Um, you know, we're coming to the close on the year. You know, Christmas is just around the corner. And if you are celebrating Christmas, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Have a great holidays. It's important to spend time with your family and friends. Eat well, drink responsibly, as they say. And, you know, we are going to be back. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have another one next week just before the New Year's, but uh, we will be back in the new year. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Hey, everyone, have a very, very happy Thursday. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.